It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Reds, your daily Cincinnati Reds podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Reds fans? My name is Jeff Carr, and you are Locked On Reds. And here we go. What's up, Reds fans, and welcome into the Locked On Reds podcast. Thank you so much for downloading and listening to today's episode. It is Monday. It's a Monday after a peaks and valleys kind of weekend in Reds country. We're going to recap that. Going to take a quick look at today's game, which will be starting, depending on when you listen to this, in a few hours because it is a 1235 start time. And we'll also look at what's ahead this week on the Locked On Reds podcast. But before we get to that, make sure you are subscribed on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and Stitcher. Also on the new Himalaya app. And then also check us out, social media at Locked On Reds and at Jeff Carr with three S. And head on over to LockedOnReds.com where there's all kind of great content from our team of writers. All right, so let's get to the weekend. The Bats woke up. They found their power found the runs, they were laying it on thick against the San Francisco Giants, and then the pitching fell asleep. Friday, they could not hold the lead, I know. I know that most of you listening to this show understand that Friday sucked because, you know, they were up 8 nothing and then they lost. And then, you know, Sunday reminded us of that as well as they went up 4 nothing after the first inning, going back to back to back, three straight pitches. I saw a statistic from Major League Baseball that said that they were the first team to do that since the Dodgers back in 2007, which I'm like, oh, well, that's a lot shorter of a time frame than I thought. But still, really cool that they did that. However, the pitching, once again, didn't hold. And they fell to the Giants on Sunday. But Saturday was a good day. They put together nine runs, and they were able to hold them to only a pair. It was pretty good to see Tanner Rourke get to go an extended amount of time. You know, one of the big criticisms on Friday was that David Bell pulled Sonny Gray too early, as Sonny Gray was working with a very large lead, and he still pulled him You know, David Bell still pulled Gray after only five innings of work. Tanner Rourke then put in six and two-thirds of two-run baseball. And Luis Castillo ended up pitching seven innings on Sunday. He did give up four of the six runs that the Giants scored. And then the other two were given up by Rice Al Iglesias. Iglesias is a topic I want to discuss later on in the show, so we'll put a pin in that and come back to him. But overall... Great for the bats, not so great for the pitching. And and I look at this team right now, it looks like they're starting to come together. Obviously, they've got to fit the good pitching games with the good hitting games. But with that, they run the risk of if they run 500, if they, you know, if they win 
half the remaining games, then they're still going to finish under 500. They're going to finish right around where Vegas has them. But at the same token, that's not going to be in any sort of contention for a wild card or anything like that, which some of you all scoff at that notion that, you know, after the 1-8 and eight start and seeing them blow leads on Friday and on Sunday, you think there's no way this team should even think about playoff contention. But I tell you, they've got the talent to do it. I just think that they've got to put together, and then this is the most obvious thought ever, but they've got to put together a nice win streak, almost the exact opposite of the losing streak that they began the season with. Put together a nice eight-game win streak, then you really start to turn some heads. The problem is they've got to do that in a hurry because they're coming up on a bit of the schedule that is just going to be tough really this week looks like the week to do it. You know, I, I wrote in the Giants series preview that if they can win you know, these next 10 games, and that was on uh, Friday before the start of this home set, but if they can win the next, you know, let's say seven of the next 10 against the Giants and the A's, then they're looking pretty good heading into the tough portion of the schedule for May. The only thing is they've really started out tough in that regard. That means that this entire week coming up, they can only lose one game if if they're following along with the 7 out of 10 thing. So they're putting a lot of pressure on themselves just this week to really make up some ground when it comes to their record and when it comes to the division with which they still are on the bottom looking up at. I think they've got the talent to do it. It's just a matter of if they put it all together. You know, it's, it was fun to see uh, some of the fun things this week. It was fun to see the throwback unis. I got to go to the ballpark on Saturday when they wore the 1902 uniforms, and those were just phenomenal. I really enjoyed them. You know, I love the cigar pocket there. and I didn't see anybody with a cigar or anything like that in there, but I don't think they were allowed to. But they seemed to really enjoy hitting in these throwback unis. They hit really well in the 1902s. They hit pretty decently in the 1911s. Now, obviously, it was really located around a couple of innings, and they only scored in one inning. That that was the toughest part about the difference between Saturday and Sunday. Saturday, they just cons- consistently scored runs inning by inning. And then on Sunday, they lathered on the runs in the first inning, and then they didn't score again after that. And it was just a little bit frustrating to watch. But overall, I think they're going to be okay. Now, I'm going to get into something that... You know, a thought, something that a lot of people were expressing, a lot of people were feeling after Friday night's game and to a much smaller extent Sunday's game. But before I get to that, make sure that you're checking out Locked On MLB. It is a podcast that looks at the entire league and will give you nice bite-sized informational samples each and every day, taking a look at everything around the Reds. It's a great way to keep up with what's going on around the country. Sully Baseball brings it to you each and every day. You can check it out on all of the major podcasting platforms with which Locked On Reds comes on. You're listening to the Lockdown Reds podcast here on this Monday. A couple of thoughts that I have for you. First off, came 
and I wrote a blog and a quick plug for my own personal blog. It's at sportsanatty.com. I, you know, just mush the two words sports and Cincinnati together. So the word sports and then on the end of that, I-N-N-A-T-I.com. But I wrote what it's like, and most of you can sympathize with this, when you've been a lifelong Cincinnati sports fan. And I I mean, I love my Reds, obviously. We're doing a podcast here about the Reds each and every day. I'm also a big Bengals fan, big Bearcats fan. And when you are used to rooting for Cincinnati sports, you've got to understand the essence of being a Cincinnati sports fan is seeing and knowing that your team has every conceivable possibility of winning and still figuring out a way to lose. That's just the way Cincinnati sports have been for my entire lifetime. You know, I was born, I'll go ahead and date myself, I was born in 1989, so I really don't, I can't really claim that I know anything about the 1990 World Series team, except for what I've read. You know, it was one year old, I didn't really remember watching games at that point. And... As far as the Bengals go, sure, you know, you had 2005, you had 2015, but those still ended in heartbreak. And with the Bearcats, you know, don't even get me started about basketball. And football, of course, you had that nice little run back about a little over 10 years ago, but still it's just, it's not a fandom that is used to success. We're not talking about Boston sports fans. Boston sports fans celebrate a championship every three months. The Reds. I haven't won since 1990. They haven't won a playoff series since 1995. The Bengals are historically bad at the playoffs. The Bearcats, no one's expecting them at this point to do anything big in the postseason. So outside of postseason success, when you look at these regular season games that the Reds just blow an eight-run lead, and of course they had to do it to the Giants. You know, I, I don't hate the Giants. I don't, have, I, I don't mind the Giants outside of Reds games. And some Reds fans may think that that's blasphemous to say since they, you know, the playoff series in 2012. But I don't blame the Giants for that. It's it's of the Reds making that they chose, you know, they just kind of floundered. But when people were talking about, you know, ugh, I'm done. I can't. I got bleh. You know, and just all of this different stuff that they were saying, like, oh, uh, this is the worst. This is the pits. I'm like, man, this isn't even close. <laughs> Not even close. We're talking about a regular season game in May. I think, was that? Yeah, that was May. It was a regular season game for baseball in May. Still plenty of games after that. I'm, I'm telling you, you're not going to care about this in a month, let alone by the end of the season come what may whether they make the playoffs or not you're not going to look at may 2nd i think that's what, no may 3rd as a seminal day of the season that just changed the course of everything because look what they did on saturday they came out and they won 9 to 2 it's just not something that should really affect you the way that some folks on twitter and, and i admire the fact that you know, you, you're getting that mad at this team. You know, last year, everything was apathetic. It was kind of like, oh, whatever, they won, they lost, who cares? At least this year, you kind of care, which tells me that the Reds did their job in the offseason. But hold on, there's still plenty of season left. And if you're jumping off now because of a rough game in May, 
I'd hate to see what you look like in August. Anyway, just had to get, that was a thought that I had after Friday and to a smaller extent on Sunday when they blew the four-run lead. But, you know, it, it just happens. It's a, it's a thing that happens if you're a Cincinnati sports fan. If you're not used to that by now, you've not been a, sports, a Cincinnati sports fan for very long. And one other thing I want to get to before we end today's show, Rysel Iglesias. You talk about how these last couple of games have been peaks and valleys for the Reds. Rysel Iglesias to this point in the season has had a peak and valley sort of season because he started in the valley, started out rough, and then he had a couple of really good games where everyone started to think, you know what, maybe he's figured it out. We've got the old Rysel back. And now I think he's... I've. I honestly think that it's time for David Bell to stop considering him as his top reliever. The most, probably the most volatile position in the game of professional baseball is reliever. You cannot pencil in a dominant reliever year to year because he's going to be good, really good one year, and then the next year something's going to just fall off a cliff. It just happens with, with relievers. I mean, even go back, I always think of Eric Gagne for the Dodgers. He set the record for most consecutive save opportunities converted. Then what happened to him? He didn't last very long. I mean, relievers just play really well for a short period of time. They're almost like a fire that you start with gasoline. They just burn really bright really quick, and they don't last very long. So don't get too attached with the reliever. And when it comes to Rysel Iglesias, I think it's time to stop running him out there automatically in these high-leverage situations. I think they need to find some lower-leverage situations to bring him out, maybe build his confidence back up, figure out what's going on. Because, you know, Jeff Brantley said it on Sunday's broadcast, the games that Rysel Iglesias does well. He's coming out and his fastball's popping in the mitt, 96, 97 miles an hour. In the games this season that he struggled, his fastball is running up there at 91, 92. Sunday was the instance where the fastball was running up 91, 92. I think Friday as well. And it's one thing that it's, when you have that big a difference in velocity, I don't know what's going on, if it's mechanical, if he's got some kind of health issue going on, but he definitely. They definitely need to reconsider what's going on with Rysel Iglesias and see maybe if they can run him out there in a game that's not so close because he blew. I mean, there were a long, you know, a long strand of blown and failed opportunities on Friday that led to that loss. I still feel like the Reds had a good shot at winning on Sunday. But when they gave up two runs in the top of the ninth, it was just over. I mean, Kyle Farmer came into the bottom of the ninth and hit a homer to knock the lead down to one. But if the game is tied, then we're walking off with a win. 5-4. But Iglesias came in and it was bing, bang, boom. Two runs for the Giants. That's all she wrote for this game. And, And they really need to consider some sort of plan to rebuild whatever it is that Rysel Iglesias has lost. Because Iglesias is in one of the most volatile positions, and that is to be a major league reliever. And it'll also bring up this question, and it's a fair question. You know, there was a lot of folks that were wondering if they would trade Iglesias. 
And it sucks to mention that in May, especially when everyone's starting to get everything together. But did they miss an opportunity there? Because when you have such a volatile guy who he's good, but there's always the possibility that he just hits a wall because he's a reliever, it's hard. You know, I'm not going to sit here and talk about that right now because it's May, but just a thought, you know, what if the Reds had traded him and gotten the value that some thought they could get for him? Anyway, that'll do it for Monday's episode. Tomorrow, I'm going to have more talk about, we're going to wrap up the Giants series as, you know, they play the final game randomly it's a wraparound series you don't see very many of these and you don't see very many monday day games for the reds but they play today at 12 35 as towing the rubber for the giants will be drew pomeranz and towing the rubber for the reds will be anthony d sclafani and so we'll see how the reds can close out this series here hopefully they get a win and start a nice little win streak here That'll do it for today's episode. Thanks so much for downloading and listening to today's show. My name is Jeff Gower. I am your host of the Locked On Reds podcast. I talk to you each and every day, Monday through Friday, through all your major podcasting apps, whether it be iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, or the new podcasting app, Himalaya. Also, check out social media at Locked On Reds and at Jeff Gower with three Fs. And head on over to LockedOnReds.com. I'll talk to you guys tomorrow. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.